Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Internet, happy Thursday or whatever day it is that you're listening to this show. You're listening to Locked On NHL, your daily resource for all the NHL news that's fit to print, not print, podcast about, whatever. My name is Sarah Avampato. I am the host of Locked on Los Angeles Kings and your Monday and Wednesday host on this very podcast. Today I am back on MC duties as we continue our week-long series of season previews. This week you're hearing from hosts representing all 31 teams, plus you're going to get some advice from Locked on Fantasy Hockey host Scott Cullen. On Tuesday, you learned about the North Division, the temporary home of our Canadian friends. On Wednesday, we looked to the East, and today we head to the reimagined Central Division. You'll hear from each of our hosts in the order of the futures odds from betonline.ag, the official sportsbook partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's no surprise that the Tampa Bay Lightning are at the top of that list. The reigning Stanley Cup champs would love a chance to go back-to-back, and Locked On Lightning host Adam Denker is here to walk us through his team's chances. Hi, everyone. I'm Adam Danker of Locked On Lightning, and I'm here to answer some of the top questions surrounding the Tampa Bay Lightning coming into the the upcoming season. So, you know, the biggest storyline for this for this team heading into the season is really the absence of Nikita Kucherov. I mean, it was a tremendous blow to the fan base as well as the team that, you know, one of their top scorers is going to be gone for an entire season. I mean, the guy, if he could go out there in a wheelchair and play, he absolutely would. Uh, he is to say he is a huge part of this team would be an understatement, uh, especially in the absence of other top players like Steven Stamkos, uh, Nikita Kucherov, you know, having won the MVP a couple years ago, having had the postseason he's had. I mean, you know, it, to, to really just show tell you how much of an impact he has made towards this team is, you know, really to say he has had the second most points over the last two seasons only second to Connor McDavid. So that shows you how impressive he has been for this team and really how much at certain times during the season as well as possibly the playoffs, they are really going to miss this guy. Uh, and really, what second question is, what needs to happen for the best-case scenario? Um, best-case scenario is Steven Stamkos needs to play 56 games, 50 to 56 games. I think other players such as Yanni Gord and Blake Coleman, uh, guys like that, Alex Kalorn, they need to continue what they did last season and in the playoffs. Uh, they need to come up and score big in the moments that really matter most, as well as Braden Point. Uh, if, if Braden Point could pick up where he left off from the, the last from the playoffs, I mean, I see no reason as to why, especially in the division that the Lightning are playing in this year, as to why they can not only run away with the division, but really make the case uh, for defending their Stanley Cup title. Uh, what would lead to the worst case scenario? Well, um, that those guys don't score. I, I think really it's a double, you know, it's a double-edged sword. I think, you know, uh, really, you know, when we measure a hockey team, you know, you really want to go from first line forwards 
all the way to the backup goalie. Well, guess what? Unfortunately, with the Tampa Bay Lightning, you don't have to worry about their goaltender, Andre Vasilevsky, who is going to be in the running for the Vezina Trophy once again this year. You don't have to worry about that guy, but really, it comes down to the scoring. It comes down to the puck possession, the puck management, which this team struggled with so much last season. So really, if they could keep the turnovers to a minimum and score goals, especially when... In, in big-time situations, then this team will be successful down the road. How will the division realignment affect the team's chances this season? Well, uh, I think it only improves their chances. I mean, the Lightning uh, have been in a tough division for you know numerous years, especially with the realignment in the Atlantic division, playing with the Boston Bruins. Uh, really, that was really their major roadblock all these years. And, and to really kind of get out of that division... And, and kind of, I guess, say, take a breather. Um, you know, the Lightning are in their own division now with the Blackhawks, the Red Wings, the Panthers. Uh, they're, they're, I guess, new rivals, if you want to call them, from the Stanley Cup Finals, the Dallas Stars. Uh, you know, this team is kind of going to, this isn't going to be, you know, your normal dogfight for this team. Yes, do they have some obstacles that they need to overcome in which they could win the division? Of course. I mean, I don't expect the Lightning to take this division with ease. All the other teams in the division are going to make them fight for it, especially Columbus and Carolina. So really, if the Lightning could score goals uh, at the right moments and, and play the game that, you know, the players that they have still on this team are accustomed to playing, then the Lightning could very well win 45 to 50 games. I see why not. I think 45 is more of a realistic, uh, really, goal for this team and wins. Um, but, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised as well if they get off to a hot start and win 50. Uh, player, A player whose career trajectory is most impacted this season, either good or bad, Nikita Kucherov. I mean, Nikita Kucherov has had one of the best starts to a career that we could possibly think of uh, in recent memory. I mean, Nikita Kucherov has really cemented himself over the last two, three seasons as one of the top scorers in the league. Uh, he's won the MVP trophy, so you know, you know, he's no slouch, and he's been a huge factor in the offensive output for this team for the last couple of years, as stated earlier. Uh, Nikita Kucherov having to miss a season uh, due to double hip surgery, it, it it's really going to be tough for him to really get back. We saw it with Braden Point, how how long it took for him to get back to to the Braden Point that Lightning fans know and love so well. So really, if Nikita Kucherov could have a great rehab and possibly maybe shave some time off uh, his recovery, that'd be great. But really, this only does hurt him for the long run in terms of possibly putting up any any significantly outrageous uh, offensive numbers uh, to end his career. And last but not least, what is my best guess on how the season ends? Well, like I stated earlier, I think the Lightning are going to win the division. I th They should definitely finish in the top four. Um, I think, honestly, for Lightning fans, expectation-wise, as well as new Lightning fans uh, that are maybe kind of joining the Bolts Nation for the first time, uh, really expectation-wise, if the Lightning are finishing anything lower than first place, especially in this division. Uh, I wouldn't be concerned, but I would be a little weary of how they play in the, in the playoffs and especially maybe some of the how some of the players on this team are performing. If you're looking for fantasy value in Tampa Bay, amid all the big names on the Lightning roster, consider Blake Coleman. There are players who have scored at an elite level in Tampa Bay, and Coleman's not one of those guys. 
he offers something different, and it's still really valuable for fantasy purposes because his back-to-back seasons with at least 20 goals, and three straight seasons with at least 190 hits. Yeah, he's not Braden Point or Steven Stamkos. You can get Coleman later. He's still an impact player. On the other hand, you be careful about drafting Alex Killorn, who's a solid complementary player. The 31-year-old is coming off the best season of his career with 49 points in 68 games. He also scored on 20% of his shots, which is unsustainably high. Prior to last season, Killorn's career shooting percentage was 10.3%. Thanks to Adam for joining us. We'll continue by heading to Raleigh, North Carolina to talk about a bunch of jerks. But first, I want to introduce you to BetOnline. So you're all excited about hockey, but it is not just hockey that's heating up. We've got the NFL playoffs coming up. We've got the NBA going on. We've got college basketball. There's just a lot of stuff in the sports world happening for you to make predictions on, to put some cash down on, and see how things go. And there is only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, and that is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Whether you're going to play on easy mode and bet on Alexia Lafreniere to win the Calder, or if you want to try to predict who's going to win the Stanley Cup, there is only one place you should be going to take care of that. That is betonline.ag. So don't sit on the bench anymore. Get in on that action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now 2020 is mercifully over and it is time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and you want more wins, then listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. Now we welcome Jared Ellis of Locked on Hurricanes to share the outlook for Carolina this season. Plus, you're going to be hearing from Locked on Fantasy Hockey host Scott Cullen all throughout today's show, giving you the best fantasy hockey tips to help you win your fantasy league. Hey there, everyone. I am Jared Ellis, host of Locked on Hurricanes, here to talk to you about the Carolina Hurricanes upcoming season. And... As far as big storylines for the Hurricanes heading into the season, to be honest, there's several. Big one is how can the team move forward now that Justin Williams has officially retired and there's no chance of him coming back um, and they won't have that leadership to rely on now. Um, Also, can their goaltending stay consistent? That was a big issue last year. Um, And... It kind of hurt them in the long run. We definitely saw that in the postseason, especially in the Boston series of goaltending, just not being up to par with the competition. Um, You also have, um, can the Hurricanes uh, get Dougie Hamilton and Andrei Svechnikov re-signed before free agency were to hit next offseason? Obviously, that's still a long ways away, but... We all remember what happened with Sebastian Ajo um, a couple years ago when Montreal sent over a pathetic offer sheet, um, and the Hurricanes don't want to go through that again when it comes to Svechnikov, and then on the flip side, Dougie Hamilton fixing to be an unrestricted free agent, and him being a Norris-caliber defenseman, and who fits in really, really, really well with this team and organization and city. 
um, they don't want to have to deal with potentially losing a star again. Um, and really, those are the biggest storylines for me heading into this season. Um, and best case scenario for all this to happen um, is that you got guys stepping up in the locker room to try to fill the shoes of Justin Williams. Um, guys like Jordan Stahl, obviously him being the big veteran on the team now, as well as other members of the leadership, you know, like Jacob Slavin and Martin Hook, uh, as well as other members of the team. Aside from Martin Hook, Slavin and Stahl, you got to get guys like Dougie stepping up, Svech, Aho, like so many of these guys on the team need to step up um, and be leaders because the leaders that are in place now aren't going to be there forever, especially Jordan Stahl because he's been in the league for a very long time and there's no telling how much longer he has left. Um, and consistency when it comes to goaltending um, because, like I said, that was something that hurt the Hurricanes last year. Um, and we can't have that this year. Mrazic and Reimer need to step up their game. And if that isn't the case, the Hurricanes need to go out and find somebody that will. Um, and when it comes to getting um, Svetch and Dougie re-signed, you know, you get it done as soon as possible. Um, that's the best case scenario for that. And, you know, worst case scenario is guys don't step up and, you know, nobody takes charge in the locker room like they're, like they need to um, because Williams, you know, it's been said on multiple occasions how he would yell and speak up, you know, when things need to be said. Um, and then when it comes to goaltending, you know, the consistency isn't there. It's kind of like it was in the middle of last season, just no consistency all over the place. Um, and then, you know, they're not able to get contracts for Dougie and Svetch. Um, you know, that would be awful. But I do feel this season with the realignment of the divisions, I do feel this central division will really help the Hurricanes. Um, it's definitely not as tough as the Metro was. Really, the major competition is going to be coming from Tampa and Dallas. Those are going to be the two main competitors. You could throw Columbus in there as well. Um, Nashville, eh, maybe. Same with Florida, eh, maybe. But the Hurricanes, they should have a... Not an easy year because it is the National Hockey League. These are the best of the best. It's not an easy job, but it's going to be easier than it has been in seasons past. Um, and honestly, I do feel, you know, we mentioned him earlier, but Andre Svechnikov, I feel this season is going to be big for him. Um, you know, he's going into his third season um, and he's just gets better and better and better. Um, I think it's going to be big for him. Same with Dougie Hamilton. Um, should he be able to bounce back well from his leg injury, this is going to be big for him. And same with Ajo and Teravainen. Both of them have been on the upswing uh, really each of their seasons in the league, not just when they're in Carolina. For, well, Tavo has been in Carolina. But I expect big things from all these guys. Um, and best guess on how the season ends, um, personally, I think the Hurricanes will end and end up in maybe second or third spot in this new Central Division. Um, I think Tampa will probably take the first spot, um, but with Kucherov now being out for the season due to surgery, I think that opens up the door a little bit more for for like a Carolina or a Dallas. Um, but I do think Carolina will definitely have a top three finish in this new Central Division.
you're looking for fantasy value in Carolina, consider Dougie Hamilton. With 40 points in 47 games last season, and has recorded more than three shots per game for three straight seasons. He's one of the best defensemen in the game, both for fantasy and for real. On the other hand, remember when the Hurricanes acquired Nino Niederreiter from the Minnesota Wild during the 2018-2019 season? He put up 14 goals and 30 points in 36 games. Ah, uh, good times, right? Last season, Niederreiter finished with 11 goals and 29 points in 67 games. His shot rate went way down. So maybe there's a world in which Niederreiter bounces back this season, but it's not a world in which I've drafted Niederreiter to my fantasy team. Thanks, Jared. Next up, the Dallas Stars somewhat unexpectedly made it to the Stanley Cup final last season. Locked on Stars host Kenneth Nash is up next to tell us how his team plans to follow up on that performance. Looking at the biggest storyline for this Dallas Stars team going into the 2021 season, obviously coming off of a fantastic bubble run where they finished uh, just shy of the ultimate goal coming up short, losing uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup final. I think this Stars team, um, you know, the storyline is can they continue to build on the, the growth we saw during the postseason, during the bubble run last year this team obviously was going through a lot of transition uh rick bonus took over as interim head coach uh, partway through the year he was the head coach during the postseason he's now the permanent head coach and we saw a lot of stylistic changes we saw them um, become more offensive minded they were they went from a team that was one of the best defensive teams in the nhl to a team that struggled to us uh, at times to to keep goals out but they were perfectly fine getting into a little bit of a uh, a track meet a shootout so to speak with you uh the key is can they keep that offensive potency which i think is is incredible incredibly important for this team but also kind of revert back to what we know them as which is a defensive stalwart with a with a lot of solidity in the blue line that blue line group is quite talented they're going to be down ben bishop for a lot of the year so anton udobin's going to have to shoulder uh the majority of the load but that being said this team is still a defensive first team and now the storyline being can they continue to build continue to uh to use what we saw during their return to play and, and apply it to the season if they can they become uh, they become quite a threat in the NHL uh, best case scenario for this team uh, looking into this coming season, uh, they've got to get their top guys scoring again. Jamie Benn, uh, Tyler Sagan, Alexander Radulov, those top line, they were shuffled a lot last year just to try to figure out something that worked. Tyler Sagan led the team with 50 points in 69 games played, just 17 goals scored. That's not the, the Tyler Sagan we're known, uh, we've become used to. He's a goal scorer first, but he was a creator a lot of last year. They've got the depth scoring. Dennis Gurionov stepped up. He got 20 goals last year. Rope Hintz had 19. Uh, you know, th- this is a team that's got the depth scoring. It's got the young guys that are going to continue to develop. They got to get those top line back. If they can get that top line back, Jamie Ben goes back to even you know he's not going to be Art Ross Jamie Ben anymore, but he can get back to to his kind of top line ways. Alexander Radulov can find the net a little bit more, and Tyler Sagan when he comes back, he can find the net consistently. That becomes a very very potent offensive team. And then with the blue line group they've got, they can really really cause problems for some other teams in the league. Looking at the worst case scenario for this team and, and you know, the worst case scenario is, is kind of the inverse of that. And that is that these guys continue to regress. Jamie Ben, Tyler Sagan, Alexander Radulov, Joe Pavelski, they, uh, they're not able to kind of recreate the, the postseason magic. And then, you know, these guys that have breakout years 
you know, regress as, as sometimes happens with young players. You know, Dennis Gurionov, 20 goals in his, his first full season in the NHL, led the team. You can't you can't rely on that, frankly. I think he's a very, very talented goal scorer. But you, you can't rely on his somebody with his inexperience to, to lead your team in goal scoring and rope hints in the same manner. You know, if they start to slip up there and, and they can't find the goals, uh, it's, you can't win games if you don't score goals, right? So I think that's the worst case scenario for this team is, is not being able to uh, create offensively when the time comes. And, and if, if the regression model keeps continuing for the older players and the younger players aren't ready to step up immediately, uh, you could find this team in, in dire need of goals uh, come, come partway through the season. Division realignment for the Stars, I think, is going to be something that's beneficial. They're going to be down two of their most important players in Tyler Sagan and Ben Bishop for a lot of the first part of the year. Um, and you look at who who's in their division now. You know, they were facing Colorado and St. Louis uh, in the normal Central Division. Those guys are kicked out West. And they do replace them with Tampa Bay, who's the best team in the NHL, obviously beat the Stars in the Stanley Cup Final this past season. Um, but beyond that, I think the Stars, you, there's a strong case to make that they're the second best team in the division. Uh, you know, Carolina's going to be really, really talented. I think it's between Carolina and Dallas for that second spot behind Tampa Bay. Um, but I think they're a lot more comfortable of, of finishing in the top four, you know, if it, rather if they've gone out west like it'd been rumored, where I think they still are one of the top four teams, but by way of having to play uh, St. Louis, Vegas, uh, Colorado as many times as they would, that always opens the door for up for uh, for 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 disappointment, I guess, and in mistakes we made and in losing streaks, which you can't afford in this style of year. So I think the realignment's going to behoove them. I think they're going to be in the playoffs. I think their eyes are set on that uh, that number two seed. A player whose career trajectory is going to be impacted this season, for the good or for uh, for better or for worse, uh, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be Miro Haskin. and he's a player we saw take a huge step forward in the postseason last year. He went from being one of the best young defensemen in the NHL to one of the best defensemen in the NHL. Uh, he, he created in a way we haven't seen him create. He's already you know he's an elite skater. He's already got unbelievable instincts. He's just 21. He'll be 21 for the entirety of this season. But if he can recreate the production we saw during the post season during the return to play and then he continues to grow and develop like you would year on year player with his kind of ability you're talking about a guy who who last year like I said was one of the best young defensemen in the NHL you throw that young qualifier in if he continues to develop he plays like he did in the postseason you're talking about a guy who probably is at least in the Norris conversation this year and we've, we've heard it from Corey Perry we've heard it from coaches we've heard it from fans we've heard it from people talking about the team this is a guy who's going to win Norris trophies in his career he's that good of a defenseman uh, and he's only 20 years old, but I think he could be in that conversation this year, and I think he sets the path to uh, to being the best player on this Dallas Stars team. I think that started last year, and I think he cements that role and that legacy uh, this year, and he's going to be the best player on this team for a very, very long time. Uh, best guess on how the season's going to end. I think the Stars, obviously, they I think they punched a little bit above their weight last year. I think they were successful, obviously, in the postseason, but I think I, I'm not sure that that was the true representation of, of what this Stars team is. They are a playoff team. Like I said, I think they're aiming for that two seed. I think that's a realistic target for this team in the in the central, out of the central. And I think they win a playoff series, maybe two. But I'm not sure they get back to the Stanley Cup final. It's incredibly hard to get back in the first place. Um, and, and when you look at the injuries they're going to have and, and, you know, the the regression does not uh, has not been kind to this team over the past few years. They almost made the uh, the Stanley Cup final in spite of the regression. I think a lot of things are going to have to go right for this team to repeat. I think they're a playoff team, but I'm not sure that they're making it back uh, to the Stanley Cup final this season. If you're looking for fantasy value in Dallas, smooth skating stars defenseman Miro Heskinen has been very good in his first two pro seasons, but he took his game to another level in the bubble. 
scoring 26 points in 27 games. The Stars are prepared to turn Heskinen loose, and they should be, and he could be poised for a breakthrough season. Now, there's not so much wrong with Tyler Sagan, the player. Even if his point totals were down last season as a result of low percentages, he still generates shots when he's healthy. And that's the issue here. Both Sagan and goaltender Ben Bishop reportedly need five months to recover from off-season surgeries, which would make it April before they're ready to play this season. Thanks to Kenneth for joining the show. We head now to Columbus as they find themselves in the middle of a bunch of trade rumors before the season has even started. Locked on Blue Jackets host Jay Forster has more. Hey everyone, this is Jay Foster from Locked on Blue Jackets. We got a little season preview for you. Uh, a couple of questions we're going to ask. Uh, number one, what's the biggest storyline heading into the season? Uh, if you'd asked me, you know, two days ago, I would absolutely have said uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois still hasn't signed. Uh, but then he went and did that at like 11pm last night for me, which is great. Uh but now I would say the biggest storyline is probably uh, goalies, I think. Uh, you know, who who's going to really kind of take charge of the net in Columbus this season? Uh, obviously, Corpusalo did amazingly uh, in the playoffs. Elvis played really well, too. Uh, but this season, I think, is really going to come down to who are the Blue Jackets going to look at long-term in the net. Uh, because as much as I would like to keep the tandem, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, I feel like a guy like Muslikins, when he really hits his stride, he's going to demand a big salary, and Corpusalo is not going to be happy to go back to being a backup. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to figure out. Uh, so I'm interested to see how that goes. Uh, best case scenario for the season, uh, we need to figure out how to score goals again. Um, obviously... Injuries were a big problem last season, uh, but I would say best case scenario, Bjorkstrand scores 25-30 goals, Atkinson scores about the same, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois really kind of hits his stride and becomes a number one centre-man, uh, defence kind of chips in, does their bit, I think that's the biggest thing for us is that we need to figure out scoring goals, uh, but you know, on the flip side... Worst case scenario is that we keep doing this scoring by committee thing, uh, which is that, you know, everyone scores about 15 goals. No one really stands out, uh, which is fine. Like, I like the scoring by committee thing that we do. Uh, I don't know it's particularly sustainable for longer than about a season, and you really want guys like Bjorkstrand, Atkinson, uh, Bemstrom, I would like to see more from... Uh, you know, guys like that, I want to see scoring lots of goals and for us not to have uh, our leading goal scorers be Oliver Bjorkstrand with 21, ga 21 goals and Zach Wierenski in second place with 20 goals on the season. Uh, I'd really like to see kind of 30 or more goals from Atkinson and Bjorkstrand. Uh, I'd like to see some offense from Max Domi as well. Uh, so, yeah, worst case scenario is we forget how to score. Or we don't learn how to score because we forgot how to score like two seasons ago and it's never really come back. Uh, division realignment, I think, is actually a really fun one for the Central. Uh, because I would say, conservatively, we're probably the second or third best team in, in the Central division at the minute. Obviously, Tampa is still a monster. 
Carolina gives us fits for whatever reason. Uh, but then you look at other teams, like Dallas is missing Tyler Sagan and uh, Ben Bishop. Uh, and Stephen Johns, obviously, who's not playing this season. Chicago is missing Kirby Duck. They're missing Corey Crawford. They're missing Jonathan Taves. Uh, uh, Florida is not going to be a threat uh, for a couple of seasons, I don't think. Uh, so, you know, it's really, it all kind of ties in neatly together, I think, uh, in terms of this is a really solid team. And we are set up for success with this division, I think. Uh, we don't have to play teams like the Rangers, who always give us fits. We don't have to deal with Washington. We don't have to deal with Pittsburgh. Um, I personally am not thrilled that we have to play Dallas eight times this season, but that's because I have a blood feud with Dallas and not for any kind of logical reason. Uh, I just, you know, I don't like them. I don't like anyone on their team, etc., um, player whose career trajectory is most impacted this season, either good or bad, it's got to be Dubois. Uh, obviously, he signed this bridge deal, uh, $5 million a year for two years. This is going to be the deal that makes or breaks him as a, as a star on our team, I think. If he has a good season, then I could, you know, a good season or two, I could see him getting... Um, a huge, huge pay rise. Um, if he has a bad couple of seasons, I could see him getting shipped off somewhere else. You know, that's how that's how the game works. That's how the league works. Uh, so, you know, it's really, it is all on him, and he is really who we want to, him and Seth Jones uh, are the guys we want to build our entire franchise around, realistically speaking. So... His success or failure really is kind of the team's success or failure, I think. Um, my best guess on how the season ends, I think we make the playoffs. I think we maybe win one round. I don't think we're winning the cup this season, but I would like to see us get that playoff streak, keep that playoff streak alive, uh, you know, go for five years in a row, maybe win another another round or two, and then kind of... We're still a young team. We're still kind of growing. Uh, and we can really only say that for a couple more years, I know, because, you know, Seth Jones is getting older. Um, Atkinson's obviously the wrong side of 30 now. But, yeah, I do think this team still has a couple more years of growth in them. And I am excited to see where that goes. So that's my kind of little season preview for you all uh, and hopefully we'll get some hockey soon which is exciting if you're looking for fantasy value in columbus try oliver bjorkstrand he had the best season of his career scoring 21 goals in 49 games he's an excellent all-around player who could be on the cusp of stardom for a blue jackets team that needs scoring bjorkstrand should be in the spotlight this season now a couple of years ago i was lobbying for seth jones to win the norris trophy after he had 57 points and was a dominant play driver. Last season, he had 30 points, was mediocre in terms of shot differentials, and, individually, was not generating shots like he did just two years before. He has the skill to be much better than he was in 2019-2020, but I'll let others take a chance on him this season. 
Thanks, Jay. We're going to check in on the Nashville Predators next. But first, let's talk about rockauto.com. Chances are you are looking to save time and save money. I feel like everyone has a million things to do these days and you don't have time to be going from store to store or to be checking around on a million different websites to see who's going to get you the best deal for what it is you need. So skip all that nonsense and just go directly to rockauto.com for anything that you need for your car or your truck. Prices are always reliably low and you're going to get the same price whether you're a professional mechanic, a do-it-yourselfer, something in between, or if you've never, you know, seen a car before, you're going to get the same low price every day. RockAuto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, so they know what they're doing. Go to rockauto.com and check it out. They have everything from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, carpet, windshield wiper blades, which I currently need. You can get everything that you need in just a few easy clicks. It's easy to navigate the site and uh, get whatever it is that you need for your car or your truck. So go to rockauto.com right now. Check it out right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com now this week on the show if you have been listening all week you know what's going on if you're just tuning in today uh, then you should know that this week we are of course getting ready for the start of the regular season on Locked on NHL. I am overjoyed to be helping to be your tour guide through all of our Locked on NHL season preview series. We've got previews of all 31 NHL teams, division by division, and we've got all the tips on who to pick up and drop in your fantasy leagues, courtesy of Locked on Fantasy Hockey host Scott Cullen. Subscribe to Locked on NHL wherever you get your podcasts and don't miss a single preview. Now, the Nashville Predators, a perennial cup contender, they struggled more than expected last season, made an early exit from the bubble. Matt Best and Justin Bradford of Locked on Predators share what's next for their team. Justin Bradford, Locked on Predators, coming to you. And there's some big storylines going into the season for the Nashville Predators. I think the biggest one heading into this season is, are the Preds able to establish a quote-unquote new Predator way, which is what David Pohl talked about during the offseason, where they are competitive and keeping that cup window open. Obviously, lots of changes are made to the coaching staff. John Hines brought in in the middle of last season and also adding new assistant coaches as well. And then player changes, lots of player changes, bringing in some veterans, bringing in some youth, bringing a little bit of everything, mixing up a little bit. Obviously, they want the youth movement, but they also bring in veterans like Mikhail Glamlin is coming back. And then you have youth like Luke Cunning, who they traded Nick Benino away for. So that's going to be curious mix to see if they can establish a new predator way of being difficult to play against. And that's where you get Mark Borowiecki, Matt Benning come in there as well to be a little bit more difficult to play against the defensive end. Best case scenario for this National Predators team, goaltending is able to steal games, whether it's Pecorino or Yusasaros. They're able to steal some games. Haven't seen that much from the National Predators. Is can the guys in the crease, the Guardians of the crease, steal a few games to give their Predators a few more wins because getting that top four is going to be ever so important in this division. Also, Forsberg, can he score goals at a pace that is equivalent to a 40-goal pace in a normal 82-game season. If he can do that, then this team has a really good chance of being up there. Forsberg is very streaky, and he admits it. He knows he needs to perform better. But can he score at that 40-goal pace, even in a 56-game season, of what would be a normal pace for 40 goals in an 82-game season? That's best case. Worst case scenario for the Stashville Predators team, goaltending being below average. 
can't have that happen. You just can't have Pecorini have the season that he had last year. think he'll get a boost from having a son, though. We'll see about that. Roman Yossi, if he doesn't have a Norris Trophy caliber season again, that spells trouble for the Predators' defense as well. Still trying to get Dante Fabro into the mix, and hopefully he gets a little bit better playing with Matthias Ekholm. But Roman Yossi's got to be the leader on this team again, and whether it's in points, whether it's on the blue line, wherever, in ice time, he and Ryan Ellis have to be the stalwarts on that blue line for the Natural Predators. And if Forsberg and Victor Arvidsson, if they don't have a really good season in terms of putting points on the board, if they have a scoring drought, that's going to spell trouble for the Natural Predators team because they are those first-line wingers. There's guys that maybe can step up in their place, but they've got to score, and they've got to score early and often and be consistent for this team. Now, for division realignment, for whose career trajectory is most impactful for the season, and the best guess on how the season ends, I'm going to toss it over to my co-host for Locked On Predators, Matt Best. Follow me on Twitter at Justin B. Bradford. And make sure you follow us on Twitter as well at Locked on Predators. That's at LO underscore Predators. Matt, over to you. Thanks, Justin. Now let's look at the division here for the Nashville Predators. Everybody pretty much had their team thrown into a blender when the new division realignment came out, but there's a few key things here we need to look at for the Predators. First of all, it's the departure of the Colorado Avalanche out of this division. The Avs are going to be a force to be reckoned with. No one can deny that with the likes of Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog. They just look like a phenomenal team. Now here's what the good news is. The Predators get to keep the Chicago Blackhawks within the division while also picking up the coveted Detroit Red Wings. Now, the Red Wings aren't going to make a lot of noise, and it's fair to say that the Red Wings will finish towards the bottom half of the standings, if not the complete bottom. Now, in saying that, the Predators have every opportunity, yes, to win the game against the Red Wings here because they will be an easier team to beat up on, but you'll probably see the likes of Connor Ingram being able to play, giving Soros and giving Pekka a bit of a relief there. That's exactly what they're looking for. Now, speaking of goaltending, career trajectory for Pekka Rene is very, very questionable right now, and I don't say that as saying he's a bad goaltender whatsoever. I say that in the sense of maybe Pekka will do better with this format, where the Predators will be able to trot out three goaltenders and keep Pekka a bit fresh, because there's no doubt that fans want to see Rene as the number one goaltender for the Nashville Predators. This is going to be a big season for him. They they have the likes of Askarov, who they just drafted, and they're clearly going to groom him to be the goaltender of the future, but Saros has been pushing for more playing time, and he's performed actually quite decently when he's been given the shot, but Pekka is the guy. We've seen him perform in the past. We've seen him perform in the playoffs. We just need a bit more, and I think that rest will help him propel himself even further into the playoffs. Now this season, if we're all guessing here, it's going to be a little tougher than any other season to predict. I mean, most people are still getting used to trying to adjust point totals based on the amount of games. So what we know is that the top four teams in the Central Division will make it to the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's fair to say that the couple top spots will be locked up by the Nash or the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Dallas Stars and the likes of the Carolina Hurricanes. Now, this fourth spot is up in the air. I do see Nashville snagging this because they have the fewest question marks. If you do listen to Lockdown Predators, we talk about what teams have the biggest question marks. We look at teams like the Buffalo Sabres and the question marks they face and the New Jersey Devils even over in the East with Jack Hughes. He's the biggest question mark for me heading into this NHL season. He could be make or break for that team. But here at Lockdown Predators, I personally believe that it is the Predators that will take that fourth spot here. If they don't, they're going to miss out narrowly to either Columbus or Florida, but I think Nashville has a firepower up front and in net to propel themselves ahead of a Florida or Columbus team. Keep locked in Lock on Predators. For Justin, I am Matt, and we'll see you around. If you're looking for fantasy value in Nashville, consider Philip Forsberg, a brilliant talent. Forsberg played all 82 games for three straight seasons. 
prior to the past three seasons in which he played 67 or fewer games. If one forward on the Predators is going to have a big offensive season, Forsberg seems like the best bet. On the other hand, Ryan Johansson is a much riskier pick. The fact that Johansson practically refuses to shoot the puck has come back to bite him because his one-dimensional attack limits his fantasy upside. The fact that he also has low shot totals works against him in fantasy if shots on goal are a category unto themselves. And then, when the percentages go down for your wingers, fantasy value pretty much dries up altogether, and that's what happened with Johansson last season. Thanks to Matt and Justin for joining. Now we head back to Florida for a look at the Panthers, who are hoping that this year is when everything finally starts to come together for them. Mike DiStefano of Locked on Leafs and Locked on NHL dives into the situation in Sunrise, Florida. Hey guys, it's Mike DiStefano from the Locked on Leafs podcast, also a weekly contributor to the Locked on NHL podcast. But today we're going to be putting on my Panthers hat for the Locked on Panthers side of things. And we'll be doing our... Uh, year in preview, the season previews as they continue here in the Locked On NHL podcast, and I've got uh, I've got the pleasure of doing it for the Florida Panthers and all your Floridian friends. Uh, so let's let's get right into it with the first question that we have on the day, and that's what the biggest storyline heading into the season is going to be. Um. I, I, to be honest, one of the storylines that they're they're just one of a couple of teams that are going to be allowing fans in the stands. I mean, somebody who lives up here in Canada, I I know that we're not going to see that, uh, not at all, not in the regular season, and I would be hard pressed to think that we'll see it in the playoffs. Um, you know, so the fact that they're actually allowing teams or fans into the stands to watch them play is, is certainly something. Uh, I think I read there was going to be a 25% capacity and I mean that the building can hold roughly, I think 20,000 people. So, you know, there'll be like 5,000 people in, inside that building, which is going to be, uh, going to be different than pretty much any other stadium or, or arena that you visit. So, you know, that's one thing that I think is notable about the Florida Panthers heading into the year. The other thing that I think is, is you know, more of an on-ice storyline is where's the offense going to come from? You know, like, I, I think about how much of a step back this team could take this year. You know, they lost a 30-goal man in, in Hoffman. Dadanoff has been a great offensive player for them for the past few years. Eric Halla, Vincent Trocek, also key offensive contributors that are no longer with this team. You know, so... They lost quite a bit up front, and they went out, they supplemented him with, with guys like Patrick Hornquist, Duclair, Alex Venberg, but like Hornquist, 34 years old, how much more does he have left in the tank? I'm not too sure. Duclair, I mean, this is a guy who really um, had a, a hot month last year, I think, like just really went on a tear. And I believe it was what, like December and scored like 16 goals in, in the month of December or something like that, close to it. But then really didn't really do much for the rest of the year. Uh, so, you know, Duclair is such a streaky player. He's on a one-year deal, as is Wenberg, a guy who had a down season, was bought out by Columbus, you know. So I, I just don't know if they're going to be able to supplement the offense that's lost in guys like Hoffman, Dadanov, Trocek, people who year in and year out were, were producing fairly well for the Florida Panthers. So um, I, I think that's probably the biggest storyline heading into the year is, is how are they going to replace what they've lost? Uh, what needs to happen for the best case scenario to play out? 
Well, I think first and foremost, they're going to need uh, Sergei Bobrovsky to round back into Vesna form. Um, you know, this is somebody who signed a seven-year, $70 million contract uh, just a year ago, and it's already looking like one of the worst contracts ever in the NHL. So I think that if Bobrovsky uh, can, can kind of round back into form, um, that would be a, a good thing for this team. That would give them a, a fighting chance. Uh, the good news is is that he had a down year last year in his first year with the Florida Panthers, which historically means a banner year is coming up for uh, for Big Bobs. But, you know, we shall see. We shall see what ends up happening with Bobrovsky. But if the, if the Panthers want to stand a fighting chance at, at making the playoffs this year, he's going to need to be the backbone of that team. Uh, what would lead to the worst-case scenario well, other than Bob's falling apart at the seams, uh, I think the worst-case scenario would say that nobody takes that next step. Like I said, they've they've lost Hoffman, Dadanoff, Trocek. There are some some key offensive contributions uh, or some key roles that are up for grabs. And if nobody takes that next step and takes on that role that's there, you know, I don't think this this team's gonna go very far. I don't think they're gonna win a lot of games. That would be the worst case scenario. Guys like Owen Tippett, a young guy who's expected to come in and contribute this year, if he falls flat on his face and, and, and doesn't quite get it done, you know, I, I think that would be uh you know, that wouldn't be very good for them. Wenberg, a guy who was brought in to be a top six player, uh, along with Anthony Duclair on one year prove it deals, you know, if they don't end up producing to uh, you know, in top six numbers, I, I, this team just doesn't have the the depth of offense to kind of combat that so that that would be a, a worst case scenario and then I think about another young guy in, in um, Gregorenko the rookie Russian that'll be coming over uh, if he gets an opportunity if, if he's not ready for the NHL and he doesn't you know put himself in a position to succeed you know that could be uh, also a worst case scenario uh, question number four how will division realignment affect your team's chances this season um, I think when you look at this division they're in the central division now, and I mean, maybe it helps their case a little bit, but not enough to really matter. Uh, they don't have to go through Boston. They don't have to go through Toronto, Montreal, um, but they still have to go through Tampa, and there still are some teams that are better than Florida. So it's taken hell of an effort from Bobrovsky this year, I think, to get this team into the playoffs. When I look at them now, I mean, I guess later on we'll get to how I think this season ends, but spoiler alert, I think there are at least four teams in this division that are better than Florida, so... Maybe you uh, you understand what I'm putting together there if you know how the playoffs are shaking out this year. But, um, yeah, so I I mean, I think that it helps in a way that they stand more of a chance because the teams that are better than them aren't that much better. There's a closer gap between the teams around them than it would have been if they had to go up against teams like Boston and Toronto and Tampa and Montreal. So, you know, it helps to cause a little bit, but I still don't think it helps enough. Uh, question number five, a player whose career trajectory is most impacted this season, either good or bad? Well, I guess we go back to the goaltender, Sergei Bobrovsky, another guy who, you know, if he goes and has a second down year with this team, I mean, that's just bad news bears for the Florida Panthers. Um, there is, you know, goalies, it's a big mental game, and you go two straight years um, of, of bad play, then you start to think, like, is is this just him? Has he broken down? Has he gotten to that point 
where he's just not that great of a goaltender anymore. Like he's not, you know, he's not a spring chicken. He's up into his thirties, I believe now. Um, so a guy like Bobrovsky, if if he starts his decline and he's already going downward, that's not a good sign. Um, on a positive note, this could be a big year for Venberg and Duclair. They're both on expiring one-year prove-it deals. Um, I think their careers are going to be supremely impacted by their production this year. I think both of them signed these one-year prove-it deals to uh, in this situation with Florida because they'll get top six minutes and they'll have an opportunity to produce and re-enter the market next year and hope to to latch on to to a better team with a better situation and maybe with you know more money and and and, and longer term so you know I think that uh, both these kids are, are quite young and they still have an opportunity to to grow into a, an NHL role and it's going to be a big year for them to to prove it uh, your best guess on how the season ends. Well, I don't think the season is going to end with a Stanley Cup parade down in Sunrise, Florida. That's for sure. But I, I, I think they'll be competing, you know, later into the season for that four playoff spot. Um, I, I, they'll ultimately lose out, I think. Uh, I, I just, you know, when I look at that, that uh, division, you know, Tampa's at the top. I think Carolina's. Uh, a clear-cut number two. And then you look at probably Dallas and, and Nashville as your three and four in that division, and I just don't see Florida beating either of those teams, to be honest with you. So, you know, I think that's uh, they'll finish somewhere maybe sixth, seventh in the division possibly. Um, they could, you know, be in last and eighth. That's, that's also there, but but I don't think this, uh, this is a playoff team. Um, I think they are, are worse than they were a year ago, and they were barely, uh, well, technically they didn't make the playoffs last year. They were eliminated in the in the wild card round. But, you know, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not very high on the Panthers' chances of success uh, this season. Um, I th- also think, if, if I'm guessing, guys like Wenberg and Duclair, maybe if they have a, a pretty good showing, could end up, on a different team by the trade deadline. They could be good trade bait this offseason or the, during this season and, and end up elsewhere, maybe on a playoff team, and uh, have a chance to compete for the Cup. But it's not going to happen here in Florida. On a more positive note, I think we see good things out of uh, Grigorenko. I think that he's a guy who could definitely... Or Grigorenko. I said Grigorenko twice. Denisenko. Oh, boy. I don't know why I wrote down. Okay. <laughs> Denisenko is the guy. Grigory Denisenko is his name. But I, I think we could see uh, good things out of him. I think he'll establish himself as an NHLer. And if guys like Wemberg and Duclair end up getting moved, you know, I think that he establishes himself as a top six winger who could produce. So, you know, that would be maybe the, the, the biggest positive note out of this season is seeing a couple of those young guys like him and Tippett maybe take a next step and uh, and prove to be core pieces for this team in the future. And that will do it for the Florida Panthers season preview. If you're looking for fantasy value in Florida, consider Patrick Hornquist, a veteran crease crasher who can play net front on the power play. Hornquist could find himself skating on the Panthers' top line, but even if he doesn't, he has eight 20-goal seasons to his credit, in addition to recording more than 100 hits in each of the past five seasons. There's still some fantasy value there, even as he's headed towards his mid-30s. On the other hand, 
careful about drafting Alexander Wenberg. It is possible that a new opportunity in Florida will work for Wenberg. He crashed hard in Columbus. He scored a career-high 59 points in 2016-2017, and his point totals have declined every year since. It's one thing to be a pass-first playmaker. It's another to have seven goals in 132 games over the past two seasons. Thanks, Mike. Now, things seem to have gone from bad to worse for our next team. Jack Bushman, host of Locked on Blackhawks, joins to share his outlook for the team as they try to find a way to fill the Jonathan Taves-sized hole in their lineup. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Locked on Blackhawks host Jack Bushman. With less than two weeks until the start of the 2021 regular season, it's time for a quick Chicago Blackhawks season preview. First, what's the biggest storyline heading into the regular season? Well, with Kirby Doc expected to be out for at least the majority of the regular season, and Jonathan Taze also out indefinitely with an unknown illness, the biggest storyline heading into the season, it's probably all about how the numerous young prospects will fare for the Blackhawks this year. It's pretty likely that uh, 2021 is already a wash in terms of wins and losses, but this season will still be crucial for the rebuilding process and to see what pieces we have already for the future. I hope to see a lot of Ian Mitchell, Adam Boquist, Philip Kirishev, and many others that have been hyped up in the pipelines for the past couple of years. Well, what needs to happen for the best-case scenario for the Blackhawks? The best-case scenario for the Blackhawks this season would probably be uh, establishing a solid defensive unit as well as a starting goaltender. We know that defense, it's been an issue for the Hawks pretty much ever since they won the Stanley Cup in 2015. Um, But after acquiring Nikita Zadorov in the offseason and with Mitchell, Boquist, and a couple other young uh, talented youngsters coming up in the system, there there could be some hope for this defensive unit. And then there's still Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, Connor Murphy, and Calvin DeHaan. All those guys are still around. So if the Blackhawks can take a step in the right direction in terms of team defense this season, that would be a huge victory. Goaltending also is a huge question mark with Corey Crawford now out of the picture. Uh, but if Colin Delia... Malcolm Subban, or Kevin Lankinen, if one of them can take advantage of this open competition that's going on heading into training camp, and if one of them can run with the starting job and have some success, then the Blackhawks will have a much better sense of what they're doing in the net throughout the rebuild. What would lead to the worst-case scenario for the Blackhawks this year? Well, I mean, that's basically already happened with Doc and Taze out, but in terms of the on-ice product, the worst-case scenario, um, that would probably be if the Blackhawks, if neither of their three netminders performed well enough, you know, to stop the bleeding. Well, you know, there is a chance that the defense will be better this season, but more, it will more than likely, uh, still be a middle-of-the-pack group at best, so if the goaltending isn't very good, the Blackhawks are, are going to allow, you know, four, five, six goals more, more than they would like this season. That's just the reality of not having very much experience in that. Um, it, it's already going to be tough enough to score goals now without Doc and Taze. Um, it's probably going to be the Patrick Kane show on offense. Uh, but the Blackhawks, they'll have a real tough time winning any games this season if goaltend- if their goaltending isn't at least average. 
How will the division realignment affect the Blackhawks' chances this season? Well, no matter what, the Blackhawks probably weren't going to make the playoffs. Uh, But after the division realignment, they now have Tampa Bay, the Dallas Stars, Carolina Hurricanes, and the Columbus Blue Jackets in in their division. So things didn't really get much easier. Uh, I expect the Blackhawks to finish 7th in the Central Division this year, also behind the Florida Panthers and the Nashville Predators, and ahead of only the lowly Detroit Red Wings. Yes, lowly Detroit Red Wings. Shout out. Uh, It's a shot at you, Nolan Bianchi, real quick. Uh, Next, a player whose career trajectory is most impacted this season. Yeah, I could have went a lot of different ways with this, but I'm going to go with Adam Boquist. Boquist made it to the NHL a, a year earlier than everyone expected last year, so even though he struggled at times, it, it kind of had to be looked at with a grain of salt. But this time around, he, he's going to be, uh, you know, he, he's got some experience under his belt. It's his first full NHL campaign, and I think this is a very important year for his development. People are now starting to talk about Ian Mitchell as uh, the top defensive prospect in the Blackhawks system. But I still think there's a lot of untapped potential there with Boquist, and he flashed it at moments last year. Um, but at the same time, though, I-, I think he needs to show it this year on the ice, and, I- and he needs to take the next step in his development. His future is very key for the Blackhawks throughout the rebuilding process. Last, my best guess at how the season ends. As I said earlier, I think it's going to be a struggle-filled season for the Blackhawks where they wind up missing the playoffs. But I also see a lot of young prospects getting an opportunity to prove themselves. And at the conclusion of the season, I think the Blackhawks and their front office will have a much better idea of what pieces of the puzzle are already here and what pieces we need to go out and get in order to speed up this rebuild and get back to being an annual Stanley Cup contender. If you're looking for fantasy value in Chicago, consider Dominic Kubalik. I'm generally wary of the Blackhawks this season. One of the things I like about Kubalik, beyond that he scored 21 goals in his last 41 games of the regular season, he also had 99 shots on goal. Even if he doesn't finish on such a high percentage, the volume of shots matters for sustainability. Now, if you're really going to be careful with the Blackhawks, it's got to be around the goaltending. It's not as though I like Colin Delia, especially, uh, but the Blackhawks are really taking a chance on their goaltending going into the season with Malcolm Subban. He's never been more than a backup in three NHL seasons and has a 901 save percentage, which won't cut it. If Chicago was great defensively, then maybe that wouldn't be such a concern, but, well, they're not. Thanks to Jack for joining. Finally, we head to Detroit. The Red Wings made a lot of smart signings of veteran players in the offseason, but are they going to see an improvement on last year's results? Nolan Bianchi and Ethan Smith of Locked on Red Wings have more. All right, everybody, time for the preview you have been waiting for. We're looking at the Detroit Red Wings, and the biggest storyline heading into this 2020-2021 season is basically, can the worst team in hockey history not be the worst team in the National Hockey League. Did it make enough improvements uh, over the offseason to avoid a repeat of last year? Is there more depth scoring? Can the defense play better than a pile of traffic cones? These are all burning questions, but they all basically boil down to the overarching theme of the season, which is, can this team pick itself up out of the sewer 
and uh, look like a respectable hockey team. That So that right there is the biggest storyline of the year. Do the Detroit Red Wings look like a National Hockey League caliber team? Now, what needs to go right for a best-case scenario? For starters, Philip Zadina needs to take a massive step forward. It would not only be something that is really positive for the rebuild, but on a night-to-night basis, this team is going to need more second and third line scoring. I don't necessarily know where he's going to pan out exactly, but I'm assuming that that second line uh, on the wings will have some combination of Fabry, Ryan, and uh, Zadina in that mix. So I'm hoping that Philip Sedina is somebody who can take a massive step forward, help that second line uh, start to produce second, third, fourth line, whatever it is. The first line, Bertuzzi, Larkin, Mantha, it's not a, a, a contender first line quite yet, but it is a first line that when you go into most games, you look at it on paper and you say, okay, my first line has a fighting chance against their first line. From there, it gets really, really kind of gross. Uh, You really can't say that about any of the other lines last season. And this season, uh, while they've made some improvements, it's still not necessarily uh, a given that this team is going to be vastly improved. They have a lot of castaways, a lot of guys who uh, once were really intriguing pieces in the case of Bobby Ryan an all-star like perennial can he help pick up a little bit of the slack can Vladislav Nemestikov pick up a little bit of the slack so I think when you just look at uh on the forward groups they need more depth scoring and they need their power play to work just a little bit better I think Bobby Ryan and Philip Sedina having good years alongside Vladislav Nemestikov and maybe even Robbie Fabry who's now in his second season uh with the Detroit Red Wings uh can kind of help shore that up and then on the defensive end really just don't look like traffic cones out there. That is the best case scenario for this team. The extra help on D makes the core look respectable. And and I think one of the goals for that D core this season is to give Philip Peronik a freaking break. Led the Red Wings in ice time. He played really, really well, performed admirably, admirably on most nights. But with the guys he was playing with, oftentimes was part of a unit that looked really ugly. He's a top four NHL defenseman. Can the extra additions on the defensive end, Stetcher, Merrill, uh, Stahl, whoever can step up, even DeKaiser if he stays healthy, just give Philip Peronik a little bit of a break. Don't make him the number one option on your blue line on a night-to-night basis. And then I know we're not supposed to say stay healthy, but Anthony Mantha staying healthy. Hasn't been able to do it these last couple years. That'll be a big, important uh, piece for them in terms of sustaining some sort of momentum uh, through these stretches. What would lead to the worst-case scenario? Uh, I don't know if there's anything that could be considered worst-case scenario after last season, but the worst-case scenario is that none of these offseason acquisitions pan out. Uh, They don't look like a better hockey team. They don't get much at the deadline. But worst case scenario, record-wise, that probably means that they're still in the tank and still in contention for that number one overall pick. So uh, is there really a worst case scenario? Yes and no. Uh, so that's kind of the beauty for the Red Wings of heading into this year. Just don't finish last worse than last year, which I think might be uh, impossible. How will the division realignment affect the team's chances? They won't affect them one bit. The only thing that might come into play is whether Chicago is bad enough to compete for the worst team in the league. Uh, and then obviously that would make them compete for the worst team in the division. It sounded like they were going to be tanking before the season even started. And then within the last week, they've lost Kirby Doc and Jonathan Taves. Uh, Doc for an extended amount of time, Taves for an undisclosed amount of time. So I think that might, you know, 
wind up having them challenge for last place in the division. Player whose career trajectory is most impact, impacted by this season, good or bad? Uh, there's some obvious answers here. Some young guys, Evgeny Sveshnikov, Michael Rasmussen, Dennis Chalowski, three first-round picks who have really failed to make a significant impact. Uh, Sveshnikov kind of reaching the end of his rope. Chalowski nearing Sveshnikov levels. So I think that this could have a massive impact on whether or not they wear the Detroit Red Wings sweater next season. A dark horse, though, I would say... Tyler Bertuzzi uh, signed a one-year deal via arbitration this offseason worth $3.5 million. He definitely wanted more. I think he'll want to get a lot more on his next ticket. Obviously, that's part of him betting on himself in this situation. And just with all the moving and shaking that's going to go on this year, we don't really know how that's going to turn out. I think that he's got the most tradable contract out of anybody on their core. So if something were to happen involving their core, I think it would probably be Tyler Bertuzzi. My best guess on how the season ends, maybe it's just uh, positive thinking, but I've come around on somewhat positive expectations. I think that there'll be an improved team, still probably a bottom five team, but I think there will be stretches where you'll say, hey, this team is playing really well, and they're not necessarily in the tank from wire to wire. So I got them pegged to finish maybe fourth or fifth worst team in the league, but with a lot of positives to take away, unlike last season. You're looking for fantasy value in Detroit. Consider Tyler Bertuzzi. There isn't a lot to like about Detroit, at least not yet. But Bertuzzi's coming off back-to-back 21-goal seasons and played more than 19 minutes per game last season. He offers solid production at left wing, a position which doesn't always offer the most productive options. On the other hand, maybe be careful about taking Bobby Ryan. There aren't a lot of players on the Red Wings getting touted going into this season, but there was quite a bit of interest in Ryan signing as a free agent. His story is inspirational, and I hope it goes well for him in Detroit. At the same time, he had just 8 points in 24 games for Ottawa last season. He hasn't scored 20 goals in a season since 2015-2016. Thanks to Nolan and Ethan, that is all for today's look at the Central Division. Make sure you're following our great hosts and their great shows on social media. Make sure you're subscribed to their show and uh, never miss a moment. Whether you want to be keeping up with your own favorite team, you want to adopt a new favorite team, or you're just trying to figure out what the enemy is up to, well, we have you covered for every single team in the league. Come back tomorrow for previews from all the teams in my home turf, the Pacific Division. Make sure you're following this show on Twitter at Pods. We're doing a lot of great work to highlight the cool shows that are happening all across the network. And of course, you'll get links to every episode of this show as it comes out. So go hit that subscribe button in your podcast app of choice if you haven't already done so. Leave a rating or a review if you are enjoying what you're hearing here on the show. Tell your friends all about it because I'm sure you've got a hockey fan in your life who also loves podcasts who isn't listening to this show yet. And my question is, well, why not? So tell your friends all about it. Make sure you come back tomorrow for more in our NHL preview series. Until next time, this has been Locked on NHL, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.